Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead. And I'm Tiffany, liquid enthusiast. Welcome to episode 147 of Brewnotch, the podcast adjunct series. This evening, we're actually doing something we haven't done since, what, 2018, I think? It was probably the last time we had a, an episode like this. As in what sense? As in it's a, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Um, it's an intro. It's an it's intro. A, it's a live podcast. Oh, there yeah, you go. There yes, you go. yes. I didn't thank prepare you. you for that <laughs> yeah, I was like, at all. in what says that we are introing yeah, it before we, we share it? Or there you go. Okay, you're right. I, I apologize. You. I really should have. We uh, have not done a live podcast in a, in a long time. Yeah, I think it was the Bose Oktoberfest in 2018 or 19, 18. Anyway, point being, this past week we're recording this uh, right after it happened, but we were uh, honored to speak at the Ontario Craft Brewers Conference held in Niagara Falls, um, and we did a session for LinkUp. So a lot of you guys would know LinkUp, and you've probably seen a bunch of the pods. And uh, our session was called "The Ethics and Economics of Diversity in Craft Beer," hence the name of the episode. So we had a bit of an equipment fail, which was completely on me for uh, not bringing the right stuff to record, but our phones are 4K, so they worked out pretty well, and uh, we were able to record the session. Um, to That felt like it was a lot of effort that we both put into this as yeah, far as the, the content, mm-hmm. and we felt that the, the feedback we got was super positive, and we felt that it'd be valuable to have as a an actual full-length podcast. So I'm just doing a quick intro to it. So... We were really speaking on sort of, you know, LinkUp in and of itself. So if you don't know about LinkUp, you watch the episode, you will learn all about it. But also sort of the, like, as the title suggests, the ethics of diversity and, you know, why it's just weird to be in a diverse city like, say, Toronto and then walk into a tap room and it's all white dudes with beards. It feels like, as Tiff says in the presentation, like a, like walk into the twilight zone. It's very odd. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the economic side, which we've discussed on the pod a bunch, but really just about how diversifying your staff will trickle down to literally the bottom line. Um, you know, your consumer base, everything. It's all really tied and we have real numbers that we researched and found them for Canada as much as possible. Most of the numbers online are uh, from the States. So it's a little harder to get the, you know, the numbers for back home, but they still paint the same picture. Um, was there anything you want to say as far as like to the people need to know beforehand as far um, as seeing it? It was a great session. Really grateful to the OCB for having us. And I'm really grateful to everyone who came to sit in and learn. And we got, have, as you mentioned, have had a lot of great feedback. Yeah. Uh, especially towards the end, you'll see there's a really big section on the common problems and then proposed solutions. And these are data-backed solutions. They are proof of concepts based on breweries that we have spoken to who have found creative ways and also ways that are technically plain in sight that sometimes you just don't think about in terms of you know reaching a more diverse audience. So be it in the tap room or in the workforce. And that seemed to really resonate with the attendees. So I think that will be very helpful uh, to brewers who are wondering about how they could make their brewery more inclusive so that we can have more people drinking craft beer while also putting money into the pockets of BIPOC communities. So yeah, was really happy and uh, with the way the chat went. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Well said. We're also going to leave a link to the slides, even though Tiff has edited the video, so it's got the slides in it. You'll see them, but if you actually wanted them separately, we're going to leave that in the show notes on iTunes uh, 
on iTunes. Yeah, on all the podcast channel uh, platforms and on YouTube as well. So with that said, guys, enjoy the episode. Let us know what you think. Very curious, particularly if you're in the industry and if you're not. If you have any thoughts on this um, when we drop the uh, episode, you know, shoot us a DM, shoot us an email or even like comment on any of the posts that we put out. So enjoy the episode. And uh, I don't remember if I ended with it, but uh, get it in you. Hi, everyone. Hello. Oh, I see some faces that I recognize. Uh, thank you for your patience. Um, we are jumping right into the presentation. So thank you so much for coming to the Ethics and Economics of Diversity in Craft Beer. I am Tiffany. This is Craig. Hi, guys. <laughs> we are from LinkUp. So uh, we'll explain what LinkUp is in a second. But as a, as a preliminary activity, I would like you all to just take a look around the room and see if you notice anything <laughs> consistent across the board. Just anything uh, that might stand out. Yeah, there's not that many people of color in the room. There are a few, so that's great, but there's not that many. And this is a consistent experience when walking into a brewery. So no secret, I'm a black woman. I have been to a lot of breweries in my life. I'll explain why in a second, but I will say that consistently it is jarring to not see that many other people that look like you when you walk off in from the street and you're in the most multicultural, one of the most multicultural cities in the world, one of the most multicultural countries in the world, and you go into a brewery and people don't look like you. So what link up exists is to address this problem and we're looking to address this problem from the workforce which we will give you our theories and our research and evidence as to why we've decided to focus on the workforce aspect of it but let me just give you a bit of a background so some of you may recognize his face uh he is uh, uh one half of baos i'm the other half i sit behind the camera uh so we have a craft beer podcast called baos beer and other stuff um, you could say for this presentation, beer and other stuff, um, to keep it clean. But essentially what BOS, uh, exists for is, um, we initially started it because Craig was discovering craft beer in 2011. Um, he kind of brought me in and then I myself was just kind of like surprised to know that there were all these different flavors and just different beers that existed when I spent my life basically drinking Heineken's and Guinness. I'm from Jamaican descent. My dad loves Heineken's. My, all, my whole family would drink Heineken's and Guinness. That was the thing, right? So when I first started drinking craft beer, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe there are all these flavors that exist. And there's like this whole other world out there. So we started, um, we started exploring further, visiting breweries. Then that kind of led to us starting a podcast in 2015. And the goal of that podcast was to tell the stories behind craft beer. So interview brewers and people just brewery adjacent because we knew just based on the conversation we we're having with friends where that it felt like it was only for a type of person. And we kind of wanted to demystify that, demystify the stereotypes and also kind of bring things to like a layman's terms to, to say it in, in a quick manner. Um, and that kind of, puts us in the same position with what we're doing with LinkUp. So it's a natural progression. But this BAOS and um, and uh, LinkUp are both our passion projects to an extent, our actual full-time jobs, we're marketers. So we own a social media agency. And generally in the social media agency, we are tasked with actually introducing. So we say in full marketing sense, product adoption among BIPOC communities. So 
really one of the clients that we work for is Meta, formerly known as Facebook. They have a program called Meta Elevate that we started with them online about four years ago. And the goal in that program is to bring black and brown individuals, we specifically black and Latinx because we're based in the US in that program, um, into using meta tools to grow their businesses. So what we're generally focused on in our life is kind of, you know, creating this equal balance where we want to make sure that there is equality amongst everybody and that everybody has the opportunity to grow. So with LinkUp, this is kind of like a beautiful merger because we're taking some of the learnings that we've had from doing this in our day-to-day -day life um, for our agency. Um, we've been really fortunate in that program already to reach over 5 million people organically. We've helped to create the campaigns to train 2 million Black and Latinx uh, business owners on how to use MetaTools to grow their businesses. And we've also helped with their $100 million investment and commitment to Black and Latinx individuals um, to help them train or issue 100,000 scholarships. So we've kind of taken some of the best learnings from all the clients and we're bringing this to link up as well. And one of the things when we were considering launching LinkUp, it was, we were like the, the big the big brands get it, right? The big brands are doing something. So we're like, if we have an industry that we love and we want it to grow, are there learnings that we can apply from the big brands and bring it over? Because obviously they're seeing like, hey, these are untapped markets that we need to invest in. So we're going to be talking about the ethical perspective um, and the ethical side of that, that's just really the morals, right? The morality, like it is only fair that everyone feel inclusive and that the breweries reflect the world around them. That's just the moral, obvious implication. And then the economic perspective, which is why it's financially beneficial for breweries, brewery owners to diversify their base. So we're also going to spend less time because we're also here. So we feel that you already have a bit of inclination that it's important. We won't go so, so hard and spend a lot of time just on the why we're going to go a lot into solutions. So as part of link up and a BOS podcast, we've had the opportunity to interview like 35, yeah. 35 ish breweries on this topic. And we're taking all their best learnings and we're going to put this into the, we're put it into the presentation. So that way you all can walk away with like tangible. Okay. Like this has worked for We've, we've spoken to a lot of people. This has worked for Merit. This has worked for any of the breweries that we've we've met with. So yeah, let's uh, get started. But first, we have a disclaimer. So we are business owners, we are marketers, and we are craft beer evangelists, but we are not HR professionals, okay? So we're going to share how you can bring people into your brewery based on what we've learned, based on all of our insights, especially through marketing and community-based initiatives. But we are going to trust you that you work to foster the type of environment that is safe and inclusive and considers advancement for uh, BIPOC individuals and hope that you embrace that. So without further ado, let's get started and we'll pass it on to Craig, who will tell you a little bit about LinkUp before we dive in. Yes. I wonder if I have to like move over. I think we have to keep swapping. Maybe we yeah. can move this around. What's up, yo? Yeah. All right, so link up. Um, we have been doing the podcast for eight and a half years now. And um, it's something that, you know, obviously Tiff and I founded it all together. Uh, the whole, you know, inclusive diversity thing has been something that uh, was important to us from the beginning. So a lot of you, of course, will know Black is Beautiful, the... Uh, Weather Souls initiative from 2020. So our friends at Saint-Quien Baron was a brewery in Elma, Quebec, hence the French sign outside. They sent us the wrong one. Good work, guys. Um, they, uh, Jacob uh, reached out and uh, they'd done 
Black is Beautiful three times. And they were like, well, they didn't really have anywhere they felt comfortable giving the money because it felt like if you get, you know, if you remember the, the initiative, it would be to give the money to a, a program locally that sort of helps essentially black individuals was that program. And they didn't have anywhere that they wanted, that they felt like if they did it, it would just be like washing their hands of it and it felt a little performative. So he reached out and was like, hey, would you guys be interested in creating something together that we can actually do something real with it? And we, of course, were like, absolutely. So we were like, well, what are we going to do? And we decided to make it sort of BIPOC as a whole. It made more sense rather than sort of, uh, you know, pigeonholing one particular group of people. Because uh, obviously that makes much more sense for, for beer in general to get everybody involved since beer is for everybody. And um, what we thought the best way to approach it would be via education. So we were like, well, how can we educate people? We ended up creating a partnership with Cicerone. Um, they've been amazing. They were on board before we even launched, which is super cool from them because they sort of took a chance on, on us and didn't know us from anything. So they gift us some uh, scholarships for their uh, courses every year, typically level one. And then they give us a preferred rate for their other courses. And we've committed to basically following people throughout the journey. We have people up to level two so far, which is great. Uh, it's a slow moving thing. I guess probably a bunch of you in here have, have done it, I would imagine. Um, it's just mostly because of the exams. We're waiting on some exams, and then we'll probably have some folks onto level three, which is great. Um, the other thing we did recently, um, we started a scholarship with Niagara College because we thought, well, C uh, Cicerone primarily takes care of the front of house, which is great. And then we thought, well, how can we help the back you know, the production side? We'd uh, partnered with Niagara College, and we did a scholarship. We launched that for this fall semester. We actually don't know how it's gone yet. They haven't told us. And we, I don't know if anyone's participated in this type of thing. When you give the money, you like kind of shut out. They deal with it. So there's no bias, which is pretty fair. Uh, so we hope, you know, we don't know how many people applied. We don't know how many people. So we don't know the need for that side yet. So we're hoping that, I'm hopeful that there's a bunch of applicants and they chose the, the, the best suited person. But uh, we'll find out because that's something we really would like to do because then we have two sides of the... Uh, of the actual workforce of breweries covered. Um, so that primarily is the, is the program. The other things that we were looking at doing, of course, were, were, were that's the workforce side. And we wanted to kind of tap into the like uh, new communities to introduce new people to beer. That's the biggest challenge, as I imagine all of you guys are well aware of as well. The We've, we've talked to different, um, what are they call employment agencies, to say, you know, you people knew, particularly one in Kingston that was uh, dealing with just immigrants, people new to Canada. So you could be like, hey, if you consider craft beer as a career, uh, this program here can sort of help you get into it. So we're trying, that's something for 2024, we're definitely focusing on. So the way we've been raising funds, I can see a bunch of faces in here who have participated in Link Up before. So the idea was uh, inspired by Black is Beautiful was to do a bunch of collaboration beers since we've been doing the pod so long and we know a bunch of folks. So does Sankiem. We're like, all right, let's do series of six beers, one beer per week. All they got to do though is call it Link Up and uh, the brewery can do their own artwork and pick the beer. We don't interfere with that because we, whilst the Black is Beautiful, they had the predetermined artwork and the, the stout, the actual style of beer. That's great, but we wanted to sort of make it a little... We didn't want to, yeah, we wanted to make it super easy for the breweries to participate, particularly, you know, we launched in August 2021, like deep COVID, which is a pretty hectic time to come out and say, hey, do this charity thing. Um, so we figured that would be the best way. We've been, we've done six series of those. Um, now we're going to basically be, we're still going to do the collaborations, but we'll probably do more like one-on-one -on -one things, one at a time, and maybe a little more bespoke, a little more 
in-depth, more content, maybe an event around it and stuff. But that's been the primary fundraising uh, form. Oh, look at that. Speaking of fundraising. <laughs> Uncle Troy oh, coming hey, through with that. the check. Oh, wow. Look at that. Thank you so Thank you, much. brother. Appreciate that's you. That's so funny. <laughs> we were supposed to go up and pick it up like three months ago. But yeah. Alpha, I don't want to forget that. Um, so, yeah, that's been the primary way uh, of fundraising. Um, people donate on the website as well. And we, what else am I missing? Oh, we have a job board is the other thing called the plug on the website. So the idea is that any new jobs, like we wanted to make it that the breweries reach out to us because if we, when, the, when we started it, we scraped indeed.com for jobs. But what if that particular brewery might not be particularly friendly to, to people of different backgrounds and, and it might not be the best fit. We wanted people to reach out to us and all, most of the breweries who participated in um, LinkUp reached out to us which is great as well because it shows that sort of initiative and, and, and wanting to do it, which I think we as a team think that's pretty important. So we have the job board and we have a few breweries that, uh, that have like a permanent link up there. So we leave that up there. The idea is it's sort of being a bit of a, a separate hub for, for people from backgrounds that aren't particularly exposed to craft beer to come through and check that out. Did I forget anything for link up? I that think that's right. the main yeah. stuff. Um, we're dabbling with a, uh, a piloted tap take, uh, what do they call it? Yeah, like a tap. Community program. tap program. Yeah. Uh, we tried that last summer. Last summer? I didn't even know what year it is. Yeah, it was last summer. Mm -hmm. um, so we're not sure if we're going to continue that now. But yeah, we're just always exploring. It's a small team. We're nimble and we're able to kind of, you know, people can throw ideas at us. We're like, sweet, let's let's try that. So that's kind of the, the nutshell of what LinkUp is. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the ethical case. I feel like we can stand beside each other. Yeah, we like we'll talk loud enough. There we go. Um, okay. So we're making the ethical case for diversity because... We don't want the financial incentives, which are there and very clear, but we don't want that to be the only reason that someone feels like they should bring in diverse faces into their into their brewery, because then that doesn't come with positive intent, and that likely doesn't lead to you know a positive experience for any of the uh, employees. But the the positive implications when it comes to the economics are clear, and the ethical implications, and just in terms of culture and what that does, are very very clear. And overall. The goal that we really want to express here is that we want to bring in diverse employees because we know and the numbers show that if you have a more diverse employee base, they will likely go and tell their friends and family where they work and they will bring beers to events and just anything like that. Um, and we'll also be putting money into their pockets. And then in the end, when these consumers come around and they're diverse in the tap room, that comes back up to the brewery because now we have a much larger demographic than we did before. So it's a win-win for everybody. But first I want to start with two stories, okay? So these are, these are real life pictures, my mom and, and my cousin there, that's Craig and I. Um, so we uh, recently bought a house in Hamilton last year and we did. The, we went to go do this thing where in between clothes, you get to go measure your house and all that stuff. So we lived in Montreal previously, we we're in Hamilton. So we're like, before we head back, how we go grab a beer at Merritt? So we go to grab a beer at Merritt, which is like our new local. Um, and we were planning to just get one beer was the goal. But then on the menu, I saw something that said Medea, which is like a patois for patois, which comes from is a Jamaican dialect which means like, I'm out here, I'm here. It's kind of like a call and response thing. And I was like, oh, okay, like what? There's like a Jamaican named beer here. Gotta try that, right? Then I see that there was like a jerk pork sausage. So then I'm like, okay, what's going on here? I gotta understand because like now there's like two Jamaican things happening here. So of course I have to order both of those. Uh, and then I have to get fries, right? I have to get fries. Remember this was gonna be one beer. I have to get fries because there's curry mayo and I'm like, curry mayo, I gotta have try curry mayo. It's fine. So I get the, and it's fantastic. 
by the way. Uh, and they sell them in bottles that you can buy. But anyway, so you can get the curry mayo. I got the curry mayo and the fries. Then Craig's like, well, if you're getting all this food, I'm going to get this food there. So think about this was two beers. Now it's been two sausages, two fries, two beers, um, and some sides, right? Then I'm also like, I also just need, I know based on the menu and based on how real it feels that this is like, there's a Jamaican person somewhere working here. So I go to their Instagram. I find this nice gentleman who's the brewer there. Uh, Alex, I uh, go follow him on Instagram too. Then because I'm excited, I'm just feeling good because like it's such a rare experience that I go to a brewery, if I could even say rare, is like almost non-existent and feel like so seen. So then I'm posting it on social media. That's just a, score, a story of my screenshot that I went back and found. I'm sharing it to my audience. That's a collective audience of 50,000 new people that are seeing and being exposed to this. And this is just, doesn't matter if it's 50,000, doesn't matter if it's 500, doesn't matter if it's 50, I've just introduced my audience now to this brewery. And that's just because something was relevant to me and I was seen and it was a different experience than I've ever had in any other brewery before. Um, and then Collective Arts came along too, which I don't know, Hamilton's got something going on here, I'm just gonna say. Um, so then we go to Collective Arts and it actually, we went to Collective Arts uh, after we had brunch somewhere else because we wanted to just go grab a beer. Uh, and then I see that they have uh, Heartbreak Chef, which is like this Jamaican, uh, it's a vend he was a vendor at their place, but like he has a restaurant in downtown Toronto. We had it once because they had the PR event with uh, that they invited us to for BOS downtown. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys are down here? Like, is this like a one-off? And he's like, oh no, we're here all the time. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna bring my mom back because I want her to try this because your food's awesome and I can't believe Collective has this. So that's like Craig and I having beers. And then it ended up being my mom, my cousin, us two adding, you know, meals. We had like grilled corn, like jerk, jerk pork sausages. I'm, I'm sucker for food, but everybody loves food, okay? So I'm just saying like, this was like an easy way they brought us in. And then my mom's taking pictures outside of the walls because she thinks it's so beautiful. And she's posting it to like, she's like, well, I can't say her age. She's, she's a mature <laughs> woman. <laughs> and she's on Facebook promoting collective arts to like her friends who are also like just her people at work, you know, like Jamaicans, Indians, everything is in that group set. So that's what that resulted in is just from these two instances where there was this change to just not not keep things homogenous but include other cultures that one made me feel good so if we're talking about like the inclusive aspect of that uh, made me feel good and that also that comes from a result of having include employees that are heard that are obviously of different cultures but that also too added to the bill so that went from something that could have been a lot smaller to something that financially just made them more money so those are two experiences that we just want to go in to just kind of paint the picture of what's possible because I know that this can happen all the time and it's happened for us in the US on rare occasions, but it's just not something you regularly see here. So I want Craig to kind of speak to the, the obvious parts of the ethical case. Yes, indeed. All right. So obviously it's right here. So of course it's morally right and sound to run a business that welcomes and considers everybody. Ontario is a diverse AF and breweries should reflect the multicultural fabric of a Canadian society, which is something that we actually notice in the States. I imagine a bunch of girls traveled out there every, we hadn't gone for a while, but this year we traveled a bunch and it's so different there. Like every brewery you go to, it's super diverse. There's different music, there's different food. And, and it's something that I feel like that Canada can do. We have the the people there. It's more just the focus. Like we need to actually, I don't know what America is doing. I obviously they got 10x the people, but there's something going on there. And there's definitely a, a gap that we can bridge. Um, of course, and representation matters and BIPOC individuals should feel a sense of belonging and inclusivity. Yes, as both staff and consumers in a brewery, which is super important. Um, imagine, you know, if, if you're, 
walking into a brewery and it's kind of a monoculture and you're not from that monoculture, you might be like, is this place for me? Am I welcome here? Is, you know, you don't see yourself represented in the staff, in the consumers or, you know, whether it's front or back of house. Um, and that's sort of an important thing. And it's, it's also kind of just weird. Like, why is it mad multicultural outside and you come into a brewery and then it's just white dudes with beards? Like, it's, it's just odd. So it's something that, like, you know, a, a beer was created by women in Africa like 8,000 years ago. So how did it become a, you know, dudes wearing plaid with, with beards and yeah, stuff? There's it's, nothing wrong with plush. No. You can be a dude with plaid on. Sorry, Brady. It's, it's flat. I like your plaid. It's, it's true. So, yes. Okay. I don't know how you change it. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just shift here. Um, okay, so one of the, you know, really going back to even that merit story there, diverse teams inspire creativity and innovation. That's a, a clear example of that. And this technically is an economic case too, because you'll see in the numbers there, companies with above average diverse scores actually drive 45% more revenue from innovation. But the reason we're putting this in kind of like more of the culture section is because craft beer is innovative, it's creative, and it's just having these opportunities allow you to bring in more voices, more people that's going to actually, you know, trickle down into the product that you're offering. And I don't think there are a lot of businesses that have the, as much creative opportunity as craft beer does. So to have those diverse voices to take advantage of what you can in terms of like creativity is super key. And it makes people again feel seen. So when you have different people in a room, they bring different perspectives. And we've even seen this with our clients. Uh, our agency, like our actual social media agency is quite diverse. And that's something that is a selling point for us because people know that we can hit them from different angles in terms of if they bring something to us, uh, we can offer different perspectives. Um, and then again, diverse teams solve problems faster. Yeah, so obviously more efficient solutions are one of the first things. So yeah, cognitively diverse teams expedite problem solving processes, rapidly exchanging innovative methods for tackling challenges. So just different ways of thinking, people from different backgrounds think differently. And that essentially can help solve problems a lot quicker just because the people aren't coming from that same worldview and you can just like come up with different ideas quicker. Uh, on top of that, the diversity bonus. So heterogeneous team, genius, sorry, heterogeneous teams consistently outperform in complex areas like strategy and ideation compared to homogenous teams, which kind of same, same thing. Thinking yeah. different, different approaches, different worldview, uh, you know, if you've ever been in a group with different people from different backgrounds, you see that immediately just the, the things that people come up with it. So it's sort of, like it's, it's genuinely practical. Yes, and we're including all the sources here just so you know we're not making these up. They are coming from true reports, a lot of it, and we will say is American because the US has more data. They've been actually, they're a bit ahead of us, a lot ahead of us yeah. in like implementing these types of programs. But of course, like anything that's true in one sense with another body, it's gonna be true in that sense too. Uh, one thing that we found which was really interesting is that diverse teams retain talent longer. So and that actually just comes from employee fulfillment, right? So if you are an employee that is in an inclusive workspace, you are 5.4 times more likely to want to stay at the company. And I know if there are business owners or anyone who works in HR here, it, employee turnover is the most annoying thing ever because you have to go and retrain people. So the longer you can keep them, the happier that they are, the better for everyone. Um, and then this point. Yes. So of course, diverse teams expand your network and consumer base, which is very, uh, this is something we've found a lot throughout. So throughout the podcast, we do uh, a link up series for every brewery who participated. Um, and we always got some interesting stories from there. So first one, cultural connection. So diverse employees allow you to tap a new network of diverse talents from different 
geological, I mean, it means geographical and educational backgrounds, um, brand advocacy. So employees from different backgrounds can become brand ambassadors within their communities. This is an interesting one. So the very first link up pod we did was with Dominion City and Stefan is their CEO. He's of Haitian background. And he said something that I feel like we brought up like a hundred times yeah. on the pod, but he said for his bachelor party, he brought all of his friends who were, a lot of them are Haitian and basically catered it with Dominion City beers. And people were like, yo, what the hell is this? Where do I get this? And they were genuinely excited because it was an environment that he created for him and his friends. So it's bringing the beer to, to meet people where they are, uh, culturally relevant because he is of the culture, bringing that beer to people. And like, this is actually fantastic. They just hadn't been exposed to it. So, and having employees that are from diverse backgrounds can generally create that, you know, you bring it home, like even Tiff's mom, she's, she's been to more breweries than, than a lot of people, yeah. and she thinks it's awesome. It's like a flex on their friends. It's hilarious. Like she's Even really my cute dad, about it. Okay, literally, he <laughs> only drank Heineken. I cannot express, and maybe uh, the tiger, the tiger stout. Uh, dragon Dra yeah every now and then yeah. but even he is drinking craft beer which is like mind-blowing to me yeah. it's just from me as one person you know preaching well craig too preaching the gospel yeah. uh, we're partners in life and business by the way in case yeah. you're wondering why we're blending like that <laughs> <laughs> sorry go no ahead. you're good you're good exactly yeah. right um and of course and market advantage as well so you know bipoc employees can help you shape your marketing through a cultural lens which we're going to tap into in the next slide because there's a few pretty funny, hilarious, scary examples of how that can go wrong. Um, but yeah, basically when you expose people, like an example that you gave last night at the beer cup, was yeah. that last night? Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Um, once you have, we're being on coffee too. So once you have good coffee, you just can't go back. Like you really can't. And same with beer. Once you expose people to, to real beer, even if they are macro beer drinkers, once they actually try craft, whether it's just a craft lager or, or you know, they get more adventurous, it's really difficult to turn back. So it's really a, a matter of just exposing new people from new communities to the products really, um, and making people feel welcome. And then that's gonna hopefully move into uh, people just being coming into their brand advocacy yeah. from, you know, not even just employees, like just people wanting to share. When you got something good, you wanna share it. Exactly. And then when we're talking about disasters, diverse teams can keep you in check, okay? So when we're talking about keeping in check and we've actually been tasked with this at our agency too, in terms of these things can kind of come our way and we like, you know, we mitigate any disasters, but they can help you protect your brand rep. So I'm showing two ridiculous campaigns that happened, okay? Uh, and if you look at the people behind them and who was on the board at the time, they just, they, no one would, there was no one in the room to say no, okay? So uh, during the BLM movement, Pepsi, a massive company, but with only, a, with a very homogenous board, did an ad where in order to cure Black Lives Matter, you, Kendall Jenner gave a Pepsi to the cops. Like, come on. And then H&M had a young black boy in a, a shirt that said coolest monkey in the jungle. So if you have any one person of color in a room, they have to be, it, this is inclusion, so they have to be part of decision-making. Things like this will not happen. So there's the benefit of having um, that cultural angle in terms of like, hey, this is how you market, this is cool, this is a good event that's important to Jamaicans, important to Indians, important to whoever, you're able to have that. But there's also like, if you were about to make a mistake, you can have someone there that you're running by to make sure if they're included in decision, key decision-making processes will help you avoid this. And we've done this with breweries. We had a client who, and actually in full, like with love, like he actually meant it, he wanted to post like an all lives matter thing back during BLM. And we were like, hey, no, you no, you, you, can, <laughs> you cannot do this. It'll be the end of your brewery. But he meant it generally. And we explained to him why 
you couldn't say it in this way and the way to say it. But that's the type of things that you can run into if you're not very careful. But that's in the benefit of having someone there can help you protect your brand rep. Yeah. So that's on the ethical side. Uh, and let's get into the money. Yes. So obviously the ethical side is pretty important and, you know, just all, all the different things we, we put forward. But in this economy, which is something we keep saying, we say often. Yeah. Um, really it comes down to the numbers. And I imagine that's probably what most folks in the industry are interested in changing right now. And I feel like it's the least known thing about diversity that it can actually impact the bottom line. And uh, we just got a few ways to sort of run through to, to showcase how that works, some some fun numbers. Yeah, and these are numbers that we're going to blast through so we can get to the solution side because they're just the numbers speak for themselves and we can move through them. We don't need to spend too much time on them. They're obvious. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So this was a study from McKinsey and Company that showed uh, companies in the top 25% for racial and ethnic and gender diversity were respectively 36% and 25% more likely to have superior financial returns, which is pretty dope. Um, brands with the highest diversity scores shows an 83% higher consumer preference and 77% of millennials indicated they were more likely to trust brands with diverse marketing. So from what we understand, if you think about, you know, most people here, I imagine are either millennials or X, um, most of us would, you know, we're in different parts of Ontario, but we probably do have a, a diverse friend group, friendship group, and just people that we're around. So if you do walk into a room and it's just one group, it kind of, it's just a strange thing and people sort of feel more drawn to something that they're used to, that they see every day. And if they're, you know, you walk in and there's a bunch of everybody, they are like, oh, sweet. It's like walking down Queen Street in Toronto. So, uh, um, yes. And then we wanted to bring some Canadian stats in here to just talk through potential and again, untapped market. So 78% of black consumers in Canada like to try new products so it's about being even offered the first time which comes through your marketing and your community efforts so you just need to get it in front of them we have friends uh in the u.s who are opening a brewery in inglewood it's going to be the first black owned brewery in inglewood called crowns and hops uh previously dope and dank and we went to la with them and they did like this very creative um i guess you could call it like a bus tour and what they did was like they had like i think it was probably like 25 30 on the bus maybe even more actually more because there were several buses yeah 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 there were several buses basically they did a tour of breweries so they brought all these black and brown like say millennials x like same type of category onto a bus and toured them around five breweries they literally brought them and said like hey if you try this you're gonna love this and i have we've never seen again to uh, an experience we've never had experience like that again um but what was beautiful is that we were in rooms in breweries filled with black browns asians everybody everybody was in there and they were smiling happy loving it the music was great everything was fantastic it was like a beautiful perfect day and i will say what we're looking at here is that the american breweries are really getting it and of course these are a bit larger numbers so um, if anyone isn't aware, BrewDog actually invested in these in, in this group in order to have them launch their own brewery. And the reason they did that is because they are obviously understanding that there's a market that's untapped here and that they want to get into. And in the U.S. specifically, uh, uh, black Americans have a one point six trillion dollar spending power. So even on the ethical and moral side, if it's great to, you know, invest in these businesses and give them opportunities, obviously, they're likely doing it for an economic incentive as well. And they're doing, they've also funded uh, five other breweries recently uh, with a $100,000 development fund in order to, you know, help them purchase some of the equipment and anything that they need to launch these breweries. So 
there are, and we've seen it with our clients in terms of brands, but this was like when we're seeing American breweries also understand that, we think that's super important too. Yes. Um, a little more on the untapped market. So there's 61 billion of spending power across Chinese Canadians. So that's 1.4 times more than the average. So that's just one ethnic group example in Canada, like getting the Canadian stats, like Tiff said, was a little difficult. There's a lot more uh, research in the US, but we managed to find that one, which was, it's pretty wild when you think about it. So not including everybody literally is leaving money on the table. Um, also, up to 40% of the Canadian population will be a visible minority by 2041. And right now it's 26%. So that's a quarter of uh, people and that's from Statistics Canada. So 40% of the country in 18 years will be a visible minority, which is pretty wild. And even now at 26%, that's over a quarter. Yeah. Once again, if you're ignoring them, that's money on the table. It's rough as guts for beer right now. Uh, you know, we've seen closures. I imagine there's going to be more coming, unfortunately. But um, this might be one way to sort of mitigate that and get through that sort of, you know, low that we're dealing with right now. So let's talk solutions. Okay, so we explained the ethical and economic case, you know, so why it's right, why it's good to include people, why it's important to have a diverse environment and why it's financially beneficial for everyone. So one, we're putting money in the pockets of BIPOC individuals, but we're also putting money in the breweries by, you know, dispersing that from the workforce to the tap room, back into the brewery, back to revenue. So let's talk about common objections. So what we're actually doing here is like, one, we've talked to a lot of people, so we understand like the common objections they face, but we also had the poll that we had. So some of the people in the room actually may have filled out the poll. So what we've done, we've mapped out all common objections and given a solution and a proof of concept so that you can take it back with you and hopefully implement them as well. And yes. if you are also someone getting pushed back when you're bringing this to anyone in leadership, you'd be able to take this back with you as well. Yeah, for sure. So the number one uh, problem that people responded with on the poll was location or something along those lines. Um, some quotes say not having enough of a diverse demo locally, a restricted hiring pool um, and housing. I'm not sure about the housing as much. The but, housing uh, I felt was like if you're in a certain area and housing's too expensive, maybe. Gotcha. It could be. If someone said that, you can let us know that's in the room now. But yeah, that was what I got from it. Perfect. Yeah, we weren't too sure because I guess there was no space to expand there. But uh, a solution for that, of course, you can partner with local BIPOC businesses and vendors from diverse backgrounds, tap into their consumer base and attack, uh, attract a whole new bunch of drinkers. Partner with BIPOC creatives for events like entertainment, photographers even, uh, you know, any, any of the behind the scenes type of folks. Uh, or offer up your venue during off-peak hours or at a cost for, for events for different community groups. So one example is our partners at Sankiam in, uh, in Quebec. So they are in a town of Aylmer, Quebec, has 8,000 people. Less than 1% of that population is black. But what they've done from the beginning is partner with local restaurants of all different cuisines and different uh, backgrounds. So like Haitian or um, different Asian Ethiopian, ones, Ethiopian, Asian, things like yeah, that. Yeah. And um, that from the beginning has brought a diverse clientele. They'll hire like black DJs, black photographers. Um, I, I imagine for Sankiam, like black specifically is their priority. One of like the owner, one of our partners in LinkUp, Danielle is the owner's wife, she's Haitian. So I imagine that's important to them specifically. Um, one example they told us though, was a local restaurant reached out to them because they knew that other their other friends from other different backgrounds in the restaurant industry were doing pop-ups with the brewery. So they reached out to the brewery and were like, hey, our friends said they had a good time, they're selling stuff there, can, can we come through? And I believe they were the Ethiopian ones. 
and uh, they came through and that brings a whole new different clientele. Um, and they've done that at every single event and they've been extremely inclusive with that. And it's, it's literally brought in new people and new money and, you know, spread the, spread the money around. Like they hire black photographers. We even for link up, we got some merch done. We hired a black artist to do the, the design for the back of the shirt, had a black photographer who then brought all of his friends in um, and videographer as well, I believe, yeah. um, to design all that campaign. So it got people paid from the community. It brought new people who I would imagine most of these people have not been to a brewery before. And from what I understand, we weren't there, but that's what the, the team said. And um, yeah, and then these were like, you know, early 20s, like kids who were just like, oh, yo, this is fire. Like, this is great. So, you know, and, and imagine if you're a young kid, maybe up and coming creative and, and you're getting a paid gig at a brewery, which typically is kind of a cool place to be. You're going to tell your friends about it. You'll be like, hey, man, come through. These beers are great. Like, you know, it's, it's a cool vibe. It's welcoming. There's people that look like them there. Mm -hmm. And that just keeps going and going. Um, and and that that's true because we hire, it's like hiring one person and then they brought all their friends for the photo shoots. And exactly. Like that. Yeah. And that was yeah. kind of the, the, the plan, obviously, for Link Up. We have to, you know, walk the talk as such. So it made complete sense for us. And there was a direct impact on Sankiem because they did it from their side. Um, another example was Rouge River, who did link up in the last series. So they're in Markham. Markham uh, is not a very white area specifically. So they partnered with local restaurants of all different backgrounds. So that if they're doing an event at the brewery, I think they have uh, they had an Oktoberfest recently. So they partner with um, with different restaurants from all different cuisines and cultures. And to make people of the local community feel super welcome because if there isn't even, you know, typically if, if white folks are the main audience for craft beer, if they're able to bring in different uh, restaurants from different places that's going to make everyone off. These guys are here. At the very least, they feel comfortable because they know the food is going to be something that they're familiar with. And then they come in willing to learn about the beers. And they've specifically gone out of their way to make beers that uh, even though Bruges River are pretty haze focused, you know, they've moved into to lagers and stuff like that more recently to give people a little bit more variety, particularly if you're newer to beer, to sort of ease folks into it alongside those uh, other things. Um, and another thing that's been going for a while, Wellington, they did the Queen of Craft Festival, I think 10 years ago. Um, back in the day, I'm sure a lot of you guys remember, it was just dudes in breweries. And, you know, I've even noticed over the years that it's definitely the gender gap has, has closed a lot, um, which is fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I think that was definitely a big part of it, having a festival that was a, a safe space for women, um, celebrated women in beer and, and gave a lot of people opportunities. So those are some uh, examples on lo location. Yeah. Um, well, and then let's talk about no applicants, because this is a big one that we get, which makes a lot of sense. Um, and this is like really considering that you actually are hiring at this point, And we understand that that's not always the position people are in. But some people actually the majority of people come to us and just say we don't have applicants. We don't have people of different colors coming to us. So, you know, we're hiring what we're getting. Um, so one of the solutions to this um, is to and I will say like Lost Craft is very, very good at them. This they're in Toronto, uh, to, to sponsor and participate in BIPOC-focused events and charities to get your beers into the hands of consumers. Um, this has been, I just visual, if I, we don't have stats, but if we were to say, and I don't know if you would agree, like that anyone has the most diverse audience drinking their beers right now, I'd be shocked if it's not Lost Craft. This is a beer that I see more often in hands of people who are not white than I do people who are white. That's how much they've like penetrated this like culture, the the the, the cultural zeitgeist, I guess you could say. Mm. Um, right. And this is because 
from the beginning, from hitting the ground in 2016, from the first time we were made aware of Lost Craft, they were just always at 2015. They were just always at like events. So you just saw their cans in people's hands. We had an event and they sponsored the event. They did hip hop and breakfast as one of these. The other day they did the TIFF had a BIPOC diversity uh, film festival, like a, an offshoot of the festival. They were sponsoring that festival. Uh, even when the Raptors won, they went through and they were like giving influencers their can. The influencers that you see too, they're just like two very prominent, well-known black influencers. So Lost Craft has just been out there making sure that people are very much aware of who they are. And I'm sure that this is this has resulted in what we've seen, which is a lot of people know about Lost Craft who are not even technically traditionally saying a oh, craft beer drinker. They just come in and start understanding it after the fact. Um, so that is a really good way that we've seen that proof of concept work. Another would be to increase awareness for your brewery by collaborating with BIPOC brewers and influencers. Uh, Mascot is doing this often. They had actually um, uh, black brewers come out. Mascot's also a black owned brewery uh, in Toronto. And they had um, a bunch of black owned brewers come out and they did a massive collaboration just to kind of drive awareness for this too. Um, influencers are another great way to do this too. And when we're saying bring in an influencer, it's not like, hey, let's just do the collab. It's like baking in a true marketing campaign that is attached to that collaboration so you get the most visibility out of it. And anything we do, and again, just in the marketing, any marketing that we do, any project that we do, we will stretch the marketing as far as it can go and keep using it over and over again. So it's not about like, hey, the influencer comes in, they do it. Like maybe you have a food influencer and it's somebody who's just like really known, like, you know, it could be an Indian chef, for example, and they come in and they do something, but you elongate that campaign. Maybe you do a launch event around that campaign. Maybe you run some ads around it. Maybe you get dedicated photographers to really create good video and good content around it. Because once that influencer is doing that as a collaboration post on their feeds, it just opens you up to their audience too. So from the marketing side, it's a really good way to stretch, you know, any initiative that you do. So it doesn't just feel like, oh, this is a one-off. Like if you are committing your time and your money and all your efforts, you should be able to maximize that. Um, and I believe, uh, what brewery did that? Rorschach. Rorschach. So Rorschach did this with a content creator and they did like a pineapple rum cake stout. And that was modeled after the chef's uh, mother's recipe. Um, and they said that worked really well for them as well. Um, so these are just like three examples of breweries that have found success with this angle. And I personally back this, I feel like is the mo is the lowest hanging, easiest one I'd say to do in order to just, one, it's like get you in front of more consumers, but one also get you in front of uh, more applicants too. Yes. Um, the we have no problem problem <laughs> uh, came up a bunch, which we were a little, I guess not entirely shocked about. Um, I think that's, Obviously, part of the problem is people think there is no problem, particularly, look, everyone is welcome to work here. I imagine everyone feels that way, but then there's no additional action, which obviously needs to be taken for this to, to be fixed. Um, uh, and the one here, yeah, hire the best for the position. And uh, when you don't think about diversity, it happens organically. Obviously, this session is happening, so that is not the case. Um, so, you know, there's a few different ways to, to look at that, like, you know, survey your employees, see how they feel about uh, the state of diversity, um, embed an employee-led resource group and have them facilitate open and safe conversations, assist in equitable focused policy decisions, and that's important, actually, that's the inclusion side, 
and build internal and external comms to and events to highlight your brewery's commitment to diversity and inclusion. So two breweries that we worked with uh, for LinkUp, um, Great Lakes, of course, have the Jedi uh, com uh, Committee, which is justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, which is very, very cool because they're very proactive about what they're doing. Um, and they actually reached out to us to do a talk to two bunches of their employees. So they actually had us talk to them to explain what's going on because if they're gonna be the folks in the tap room selling the beer, they have to understand what's going on. And we thought that was just super cool and it was just very- um, Intentional. And very intentional and very thoughtful. And it showed that there was, you know, that the company believed in it because there was uh, a team of folks doing, and obviously that team very much believed in it as well. So we very much valued that. Great work, Denise, killed it. And yeah. another thing is um, Bellwoods, similar thing, Community Culture and Inclusion Committee, CCIC. Very similar thing. Uh, they reached out to us to, to join in with LinkUp and they were super stoked about it. Um, their tap room on uh, Ossington is one of the most diverse I've, I've personally seen in Canada, yeah. if not the most. Um, and honestly, Hafis does pretty well too because they have like multicultural, uh, the people working in the, um, it's not the warehouses basically around, you know, they have like the warehouses, like I've oh, gone yeah, in and yeah, seen yeah. like five, yeah, yeah. you know, like a mixed group of older men drinking beers there too, which yes. um, I think that's also Good creating point. that type of, uh, of space that feels like you're welcome there as well. Yeah, so just like having that sort of intentionality behind everything and having like a committee of people that sort of look at it from like, not a performative, uh, perspective like like how can we actually have impact and how can we make real sort of w real change but actually like get people in is really what it comes I don't like saying like to make change it seems a little vague and stuff like actually make get pe encourage people to come in make people feel welcome and and make these uh, permanent steps not just to do it one time and then all right we're done now we did our little job you know actually yeah. doing it so yeah, I think that was great. And for the we have no problem, we did put a note there because research shows this was big when startups were really launching. And you can see this kind of replicate here. It's not of ill intent. It's just that people are more likely to uh, connect with and then interview and, and award roles to people who look like them because you end up having this commonality between you. So even if you don't intentionally mean it, it is like a confirmation bias that's there. It's called like me bias. There's another name for it as well. Um, and in startups, this was manifesting as white males hiring a lot of white males and it continued on from there because that person had a network of their other friends of white males and it continues in this. So it's like not even intentional. So that's why it's not like a finger pointing thing. It's just like, hey, if you're not aware of this day to day, if you don't have teams, if you don't have somebody dedicated, if it's not front of mind, you may unintentionally perpetuate the same patterns over and over again. Um, so, and these are from other conversations. We have other opportunities that are from different conversations that we've had too, um, that we just wanted to throw out there to you guys too, so that you also have this available in terms of like, when I'm thinking about how do I attract diverse individuals, what else can I do? A huge one, and this is something that we uh, preach with every client that we have, diversify your fee. That is a very easy and immediate signal to tell somebody that they are welcome in your establishment or wherever you are and that you see them. So all you can make it very clear by just featuring different people in your marketing materials and content. Like it is very often that you will see a feed that only has one type of person in the feed. And if you are somebody who's like me coming out and looking at your phone, you go to someone's Instagram page and that's all that you see, you're not really going to feel like that's the vibe for you where brands and larger brands understand this. So they methodically, when we are doing photo shoots for clients, we methodically 
create a situation where there's visibility across and not like the awful stock photo where it's like, hey, one Chinese person, one black person or whatever they see on like a TTC. It's like you high, you can do this by hiring diverse agencies to help you or you can have a diverse photographer and say like, hey, the photographer, can you bring out friends? This is what's important to us. We want to make sure that it feels inclusive. We want to make sure that um, it feels natural. It feels like good lifestyle content and they'll work on that. We do that. So we know that that is a complete possible and fair ask. Um, and you can also share BIPOC stories and experiences. So if you have partners that you're working with, I would say Dominion City's uh, brewery that I noticed that is very good at this too. Like they have like a farmer uh, who's a woman of color that they bring in. Um, uh, they have a, a barbecue, uh, like a, a chef who's a barbecue. They'll they'll feature them on the feeds to be like, hey, just so you know, this guy's coming through. He's going to be doing this barbecue joint. Come through and they'll tell the stories around those peoples as well. In addition, any employees, customers, this is just good content in general. Like highlighting your employees from all across the board is just going to be beneficial and it's also going to help with employee retention as well. Um, another is just to expand your job search. So this is just thinking beyond LinkedIn and Indeed and maybe consider posting your job ads in places where diverse populations are more likely to be around. So for example, in Toronto, there's a Black People in Toronto group. If I even see jobs there, I post them there too for people or I'll share them with other people too. It's just like there are these groups that exist that you can actually enter and just be like, hey, you know, we're just want to let you know that this job's available if anybody's interested. Um, and that goes for the same with um, organizations that are more dedicated as well to bringing in uh, different people, whether it be immigrants, someone who's just like new to Canada, any of these. There are job placement agencies that exist that can help you with this too. Beautiful. Uh, another thing, internships and scholarships. Obviously, the internship is pretty obvious at the brewery. Um, if there's any opportunities for that or apprenticeships, sort of more a more paid uh, situation. Obviously, those aren't the easiest thing to come by. They would probably need some work behind that to actually find the individuals to do that. Um, or even scholarships as well. So, I mean, like that's something that we've been doing and obviously all the funds that LinkUp collects from, from any of our activities goes towards essentially exclusively different scholarships as well, but there might be some individual, I know once again, um, sorry to keep hopping on Dominion, Josh and Scott, but the uh, the first one we saw, he did a collab back with Ren in 2019, I think, with um, uh, Niagara College as oh, well. Oh, I didn't notice, I was like, I didn't know, because you're like, Josh, look why are you saying that? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, so doing stuff like that and actually proactively doing that from the brewery side as well, like your own thing, is definitely something that you can do. I mean, even like last night with the Canada Beer Cup, they told us they charged $2 extra for the entry fee for the last night. And uh, they took the two bucks off all the entry fees. And that's when they, they were looking for a DEI um, nonprofit to donate to. So they reached out and they, they came through with that. Congrats, Maddie, you killed it, man. Um, <laughs> but the uh, that was pretty cool. Just like a small... Uh, you know, something small like that, where you sort of like, you know, you, you do like, you know, you got LCBO and like, hey, do you want to give two bucks to this? Even though that's a kind of a scam because I've already made the donation, but okay. you can do something real. <laughs> Everyone knows that. But like, you know, you could do something like that. Just different ways to kind of take the money without taking off the, you know, uh, bottom line is what I'm trying to get at mm -hmm. uh, and be able to invest that into something. Um, and also DEI initiatives. So, you know, different organizations um, that can uh, connect you and even coming back to the job search. So like, you know, the, the one I forgot, the, I think it's called Keys. K-E-Y-S, like dots, uh, in, um, in Kingston. Kitchen, Kingston, yeah. Um, the fine balance put us in touch with. So the, I, I imagine there's a whole bunch of places like that that just deal, say, with immigrants or maybe particular backgrounds of people. So you can actually advertise directly through that and attract a whole bunch of new uh, new people and, you know, collaborate. I know a lot of you guys do, almost every brewery does some sort of nonprofit work in the community. So maybe you could just, you know, look out, look for some DEI initiatives as well to invest in. 
And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that so, is about, well, we didn't leave uh, much time for So uh, we didn't leave much time for questions. But if you have anything, thank you so much. Thank you for participating and thank you for coming. If you have any questions, let us know. But we do have a library of resources and success stories that are available on BOS's YouTube based on all the interviews that we have. And if you want to talk to us, if you have any thought starters you want, if you want you know, us to just help give you advice on what we've seen further than this. You can connect with us, you can email us, uh, you can you know check us out on Instagram, DM us, any of those things. Cause we are happy to continue spreading the word and advocating for this. Cause it means a lot to us that the industry continues to thrive. That's our goal, yeah. so. And yeah. so many of you guys chose this. I know there's like four or five sessions. We got a lot of competition. We're like, oh, no one's yeah. going to come to our thing. And there's like three of There's one on like non-alcoholic beer. I'm like, that's super important, no? So good on all you guys for even being interested in all yeah. this stuff. So this, this is encouraging for us to see. Yeah. To see that, obviously, the uptake from LinkUp as well has been pretty pretty sweet. So you know, I feel like there's a promising future ahead. I just feel like uh, more folks going to get on board like like all of you guys. So thank you for coming by. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, go. <laughs> I think I'll be good.